Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What is up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'm your host today, Adam Chop, and today with me, fellow Michigander, uh, Jennifer Cashin with Bell's Gym over in Milford, Michigan. Jennifer, how is it going today? a little chilly but we're going good hey that's that's all right i feel i feel the same here it's uh it was 30 like two degrees this morning so yeah uh, warming up just a little bit but nonetheless it is a pleasure to have you on the show today i'm super excited to learn more about you and everything that you're doing over in your area so with that being said jennifer i'm gonna go ahead and let you take the podium go ahead and explain to our listeners a little bit about you your passion you know how you got into this business and you know kind of like the vision that you're looking in okay Um, I actually didn't start fitness until later in life. I was always active younger, but in 2016, I just started working out again after my youngest was about five and, um, plateaued. So I really wanted to find out the science behind fitness. So I got certified to be a personal trainer. And then of course I have the certification, so I might as well use it. I did, um, uh, a year internship with a trainer that I worked under who actually owned the gym I own now before me. And he introduced me to kettlebell. And once I picked up kettlebells, it really changed my body pretty fast. Other people noticed, asked me, what am I doing? Brought him to the gym. And that's really where we started. So the the prior owner was new to town, knew what he was doing very knowledgeable and I could see that. So I wanted to work with him, but he didn't know the people in the area. I live in a very small town, a village. So a lot of word of mouth is how you get your clients. So I just started a small group of people at my house with uh, my trainer and we moved from there. We went from my house to a park. It's Michigan. So we had to go inside at some point. So we converted a garage we're in the garage with no heat, no air for a full year. It was hardcore and uh, humid and cold and frozen kettlebells. So we made it through that point, find a location. Eventually, 2017, we opened our location, um, small studio gym, grew out of that space. And in 2020, got a bigger space and then COVID hit. So we had to get real creative with videos and at-home workouts, but our clients are very dedicated and loyal, so they stuck with us. Then the previous owner had an opportunity to move on to another state. I bought the gym. I actually had a partner for six months, um, but it was more than he thought it was. You know, leading a class sounds easy, but it's way more than just standing in front of a class and teaching. So I took over, I bought him out, and now I'm on my own for the last almost a year. So with that, you know, I really love kettlebell. I really wanted to introduce that to people because it's hard to find a good kettlebell gym around here in most areas um, where it's, it's such a technical movement that you can end up injured. So I'm very uh, particular with form, form first, safety first, keep my clients injury free, which led me to yoga because we're working so hard, lifting weights, um, there's recovery, there's, uh, we need mobility, all that, all those things that 
you know, you need nutrition, you need sleep, you need hydration. There's way more than just lifting weights. So that led me into my yoga journey, got certified as a yoga teacher, introduced that to the gym. So now we have full body workouts every day, yoga every day. There's recovery days. I have stretch class and it kind of just, it's snowballing from there. I have lots of ideas for the future, but one step at a time. And my philosophy is to grow organically. Um, I don't want to take on too much too soon. So it, it's been a really nice process and it, it, that's how I've been approaching my client base. Nice. That's very cool. I think that speaks volumes, especially in, you know, we were talking before this, you know, like uh, the, the smaller niche community where, you know, there's gyms, there's big commercial gyms, you know, nearby, but it's like, if you can create something that's unique that you don't see every day, that's close to you and you provide, like you said, the science or the instruction and the safety behind it to where it's like, oh, I can do this. Maybe, you know, maybe you have a 60 year old or, you know, you have a 52 year, whatever the case is, but it's like, if you can make them feel comfortable enough to where it's like, okay, maybe I am going to try this. And then, you know, they shock themselves like, wow, like I never do this. And so, you know, in a smaller community that definitely creates a huge value because, you know, it's kind of like everybody talks and everybody knows everybody. And it's like, oh, hey, like Jennifer, this and this and this. And, this. and then, you know, you have this big, huge, like organic stream of, you know, voices and it's like, ah, oh, it's great. Yeah. So definitely love the concept there. Kettleball is very unique. I uh, actually, it's kind of funny. We have the, uh, not same, but, you know, I did an internship as well and learned kettleball when I was going through, you know, my college phase and stuff like that. So it's like, you know, learning that the, the FMS screens, you know, um, just different things. So kudos to all that. Um, and, you know, rocking it on your own. So, you know, it's somewhat scary sometimes because you, you know, you never know what the future holds and, you know, but if you're dedicated and passionate and all the good things and, you know, good things will come. Yep. So appreciate you sharing that. Uh, <clears throat> so with Bell's Gym, I know you kind of touched on it. So I'm going to kind of roll into this next question here. You know, when somebody comes to you, you know, kind of describe like average clientele, you know, like older, younger, um, what exactly, I know you said group classes, some yoga, but like what all services are entailed? What all is it that you do? How do you integrate somebody that's new into your programs? So what I like to do with new clients is I'll do a one-on-one -on -one intake, right? With the FMS screening, um, kind of see where they are, what where they are as far as um, level of fitness, knowledge. You know, you can kind of tell if, if someone knows a squat, a deadlift, and has proper form, they're easier to move forward, forward with. If we're, I say ground zero, if we're starting at ground zero, I prefer privates to begin with. Um, and if they're comfortable enough just transferring right into a class, that's great because we do have smaller class sizes. You do get a lot of one-on-one -on -one personal training. Um, but then I always offer every new client gets uh, free private uh, specifically for kettlebell just to get the basic movements down. And even if they're still working on form, they'll know the cues. They'll know the lift I'm talking about. They'll know their restrictions. And I give them kind of a, a game plan going forward specifically with kettlebell um, before I took over you didn't have a lot of options if it was a kettlebell day you were going to be using a kettlebell 
Now I incorporate the dumbbell and the barbell because kettlebells can be intimidating. And if you're hesitant uh, and not confident in certain movements, like a swing snatch or a swing, um, I don't want people doing those until I have them trained properly so that form is correct and there are no injuries. So that's my primary approach. The, uh, my, my clientele is mostly, I would say, 35 to 55. I always say we have, I don't want to say the word old, we have an older clientele at the gym, but I also do have some younger clients as well as the kids' classes and the teens. Um, right now we're running a strength and conditioning program for a row team. They want to start uh, teens, younger, 12 to 18-year-olds, rowing at the local park um, right by Kensington Metro Park. There's a lot of rowing. Uh, I think it's becoming a more popular sport, especially for college, and people are noticing that. So you need form for rowing, too, to be effective and powerful and fast. So we go through all that as well. Um, that's pretty much you know, the, the way people come in. And I really do like to kind of handhold them until they're confident and have the knowledge and, you know, to kind of go on their own in class. They're never on their own in class anyway. I'm always there. Um, like I said, it's more like small group personal training. Every class is led. There is no open gym. There's never kind of do what you want or do your own thing. So it's all programmed and, um, you know, there, there is some method to the madness. I do try to program 12 weeks at a time. So there's progressions and recovery days and all that stuff. Nice. So kind of full spectrum with, you know, everything, you know, as far as like, you know, we'll say uh, for just, you know, scientific words, you know, loading, deloading, resting, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. reprogramming, you know, all the, the terminologies and stuff like that. So that's very cool. Uh, I personally, I love rowing, although I don't do like the, the actual water rowing in there because I'd, I'll probably flip the boat or something, but yeah, uh, done plenty of water rowing on a machine. So very yes. familiar with, you know, form and it, and it transfers and things like that. So um, for anybody out there listening, rowing is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, cool. Jennifer, love the kids classes. You know, what, um, you know, quick little side question. What inspired you to want to do like the kids classes and the groups and stuff like that? Or is it just something that is kind of, came out of nowhere? Uh, two reasons. Number one, um, like I said, this is a small community. I've always been involved in the community. I was an instructor at the YMCA locally and also um, PTA. I have three kids um, and I was PTA president for years and coached at the school. So I had a lot of connection with kids. And my passion is to get people moving. I don't care if you work out, at least get out and walk. You know, it's for health and me mental health well-being. So that's my other thing. I do try to, you know, I introduced yoga. It's not just about the movements. It's about the mindset. So I wanted to get kids moving. So I started coaching uh, girls on the run at the, in the elementary level and actually really enjoyed it. Uh, so now that I have a whole gym to play with, you know, I want to bring my kids in there. My kids have friends. Uh, so we started to do some kid camps and that just parlayed into the rowing club. And now in the summer, we'll do strength and conditioning. I'll also do recovery and mobility. 
if they're there two days a week, they get one day of training, one day recovery. And my philosophy on that is so many kids are pushed now to do multiple sports all year long, travel teams, school teams, and I've never seen so many injuries in children. You know, I'm 52 years old, so I've been around. I have three kids. Um, I don't want to see a 16-year-old getting knee replacements because they're playing soccer. If you take care of your body, it'll last longer. So learn how to stretch, roll, sleep, eat. All those things roll in together to help you give your best performance. So you don't, I don't want these kids burning out young. You know, you see so many kids fast-tracking, thinking about college, and then they're injured and their career is over. So, and you know, that applies to adults too. I don't want to go work out and then pull a hamstring and not be able to walk for two weeks. So I want to keep people healthy. Yeah. I wish I had somebody like you when uh, I was going through that, that phase. Cause that kind of hits home. You know, I, uh, football was like my whole entire life. I went to Olivet college for a little bit, got injured, um, transferred to Saginaw Valley state, transferred back to Western. I was going to do go through the combine, but you know, I, um, didn't really know all of the program. Like, I just know that I love to work out and lift and I had an idea of form and stuff like that. And I was going through my classes and all that stuff, but it was like, it was almost like I bit off more than what I knew too early. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the exact point I had a congenital disorder that come to find out, but you know, that's a whole nother story. Um, but yes, the education behind it is, is super important and, you know, showing them the programming, how it works. So they're like, Oh, I can make that, that, that mind body connection of mm-hmm. what's actually going on. Yes. Um, and, you know, being, being huge in the community is, is also an important thing too, because, you know, like for, for example, for, you know, maybe like bringing people into your facility, it's like, Oh, like, yeah, Jennifer, she's involved in everything. She's got this place. Come check, you know, um, so all the good things. And with that, um, so it looks like, you know, um, your facility, it's about 2,500 square feet. Is that right? Right. Got it. And give or take about 70 members or so that's kind of like reoccurring. Yes. Yeah. And then do you do like, I know like some facilities will do like off season camps or like, like a a group for like six weeks or four weeks or something like that. Is this 70 just like the people that are just there consistently like training and things like that. And then you have additional camps or. Mm -hmm. So we'll do camps or a lot of people call them challenges, a six-week challenge, uh, and I'll do them for gym members, but I always invite non-members, uh, different pricing, obviously. If you're in the gym, you're already paying a membership. If you want to add on this challenge, I'm going to give them a break. If you're not a member, you're coming in to work out for six weeks, roll in the, the monthly rate plus the additional for the challenge. Yeah, I, I do like to try to get a nice uh, price point where you're getting your value. Everyone says I'm always, I, I undervalue myself, but I do want people to, to at least get in through the door and see what we offer and then take it from there. Um, but yes, we do, we do some challenges. I'm not a huge fan of the, let's do a six week challenge to lose weight. Mm-hmm. I don't like to focus on the scale uh, for multiple reasons. So we do have a challenge coming up. It's a nutrition reset. So I really like my clients to focus on nutrition. Um, 
you know, protein, lots of protein, hydration, what to eat, when to eat, how to eat, and keep it simple. Because if it's not simple and it's complicated, they're not going to keep doing it. So most of my challenges are really educational. You get a lot of information about food, but I put it in blocks. So it's like baby steps. And by the end of that challenge in the last week, usually a light bulb will go on and they'll be like, oh, this isn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. Yes, it's complicated, but you can eat simply, but not you're not eating boiled rice and boiled chicken every day. These meals are delicious. Um, I do use Precision Nutrition, some of their cookbooks, but um, I don't like people to be on a diet. I just want to teach them how to eat real food. Um, and there are cheats and I, you know, you're craving candy or whatever. You can eat this instead. It's hundred percent healthy. It's real food. Um, and we take it from there, but yeah, we do, we do challenges. Um, and in the summer, like I said, kid camps and things like that. So, and that's my, my goal for this year is to add on as many of those as possible because I know those are kind of like uh, you can get a big financial benefit to those. Um, but because I'm paying rent in my space, I do have to have, I have to make money. I can't just go and do it just because I love it. And that's where I think I'm uh, not the best business minded person because I always try to do what's best for the client. And sometimes that's not best on the business end. And I'm trying to find a fine balance there. No, that's, that's like a a million dollar question. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm I'm a very much a people person, like, but at the end of the day, if you're more of a people person, then what keeps the facility open to do that, then it's like, okay. So, and and it's like, and I feel like people will respect the fact too, that like, they know you, they know who you are. They they know that you're not going to be like, $300, you know, for, you know, a little two, two cents of information versus, okay, listen, like, you know, they they understand the area, small town, small facility, like, you know, there's things involved and you're providing the value. And when people see that, you know, it kind of goes hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, no, that's good insight, which leads me into uh, more about the facility. So, you know, you mentioned 70 members, you know, what's kind of like, you know, where, where do you want to see that membership grow? My target goal for membership is a hundred, hundred members a year. Um, that'll give me a little bit of flexibility to actually invest more into the gym, bring in some more equipment, add some more programs and cover rent. Like, you know, in, I'm on main street in a small town and in a prime location. So rent's pretty high. Um, yeah. So as long as I can feed myself, (laughs) I'm happy. I'm not here to make millions. However, I am here to make a big impact. So, you know, I just want people to uh, learn about fitness, nutrition, exercise, sleep, that type of thing, and learn so you can use it for life. Yeah, 100%. You know, it's it's like you would agree to this that, you know, like, you know, maybe not every business owner wants to make millions and millions of dollars, but that we can all agree that, you know, the more, if you can serve more people and help more people, A, you're going to get closer to a revenue goal and you're going to serve others. So it's kind of like that, that twofold. So I mean that happy medium. 
Yep. Um, so that's where I am this year. That's kind of my, all right, last year I just got, you know, programming all done, um, kind of getting my name out there a little bit more. Yeah. We're in a, in the back corner of a, like a strip mall. So you can't really see us. There is a sign on the main street, but it's not huge. They're doing construction all year. Mm-hmm. So you need to know where I am. You need to know our name. And the other great thing about being in a small town is people represent. So I do have my clients walking around town. Um, they wear the, the hoodies and the t-shirts and people will say, you look great. Where do you go? Or they'll be so happy about what they're doing. They'll just start talking about it. And word of mouth is helping a lot. I, I will advertise this year. I haven't done any advertising. So that's also a goal. Well, you'd say you take a question right out of my mouth. Um, before we go into that, you know, talk to me about, you know, you know, maybe some challenges that you're facing with obtaining new clients and, or, you know, what are some things that are in place that you're trying, um, you know, and kind of how's, how's all that been going so far? I know it's January. Yeah. So it's, it's in my mind. I need to advertise. Um, one thing I'd like to do is and everyone's been saying I should have been doing this forever, but it's just not, it's something I don't want to do. Short videos, you know, little uh, clips of here's a swing. Here's your form. Just a reminder uh, in, in reels and TikTok and all that stuff. It will help with advertising. I just did, a, um, I did one small advertisement. My very first one, sorry, um, on Facebook for our challenge that's coming up. And I do, it did reach people that I would not normally reach, which was great. So I'm looking forward to doing short little videos um, and then advertising. Word of mouth in town is pretty good. So I'm not really worried about that, but uh, I just need to kind of reach out and let people know who we are, where we are. And I think once I get them in the door, they usually stay. Yeah, good. So let's touch on a little bit you know, if you had a, you know, ballpark number, or if you have figured out numbers, that's cool too. Um, you know, how often, you know, on a weekly basis, like how many new clients or potential new members are you seeing like on a weekly time frame? Is it, you know, a lot? Is it okay? You know, kind of what's that, what's that number look like for you? So weekly, I wouldn't even gauge a weekly. I would go more monthly because it is very small. Yeah. Um, but what's happening is probably two to four people a month, but then there's client retention, right? So I'm, most of my clients are long-term. They've been there for three, two years. Um, but what will happen is someone will come in and try us and something in life happens. So maybe I'll lose a client because a family member's ill and they need to take time off to help. It just someone else just happens to walk in that same week. It's always like, I'll lose one, but I'll gain two. I might lose two and I'll gain three. And, but those people who leave eventually come back. So it's like, I've never lost a client where they're like, I can't stand this. This is not for me. It's usually a life, life happens, right? <clears throat> and not everyone has the same mindset that I do or other clients who are like, I need to be there every day. I'm one of those people, no matter where I'm at, if I'm stranded on a, a desert island, I'm going to work out. It doesn't matter. 
for me you're it's gonna find something you're gonna find a palm tree or a branch and that's right <clears throat> it's but i need that for my own stress relief not everyone needs that so everyone has their own reasons for working out um or staying healthy or staying fit and it's you know trying to relate with that person to see why they're in the gym what's their what is their why and then i don't want to say capitalize on that but push them towards their goal and support their why no, hundred percent own, own capitalize is a great word because, you know, it's, it's not like you're doing it for, uh, you know, a down payment. It's, it's, it's right. a down payment on them. It's like, what mm -hmm. is your, what, you know, maybe you lost a family member, maybe your dog died, maybe, you right. know, you got a car, whatever, whatever the case is, it's like your why is going to drive you to do great things. And it's going to remind you to not go back to the old things. Right. And, you know, that's, you know, you know, working from home or working 15 hours a day in a factory or, you know, whatever it is, it's like, you, you've got to be true to your core to remember that. Yes. Yeah, like this is stressful, but like there's, there's a piece of me, there's a why behind, you know, the other things that I need to do. So the, you know, owning the, owning the why is, is like the golden nugget. It's like Willy Wonka's golden ticket. Yep. So love that for you. Absolutely love that for you. And it sounds like, you know, retention wise, you know, with you being, your own owner on your own now for, you know, you said about a year, um, you know, retention is, is great being a small town. You know, it's like, if you lose five people that can take a hit because it is such a small town. And right. unless you have an influx of leads and people coming in, you know, it, it, it can sting sometimes, but um, so let's talk. I know we kind of in a roundabout way talked about like, you know, goals here and there and like the year and stuff like that. But um, you know, uh, as we get closer to wrap up here, I want to ask you like a big goal, you know, so we have, uh, we want to add more programming, more nutritional challenges, you know, obviously finding new clients, um, mm -hmm. you know, <clears throat> we will both agree that getting new leads, maybe like trying some new advertising things, you know, whether it's clips, reels, whatever is going to help bring all that to fruition. So let's say you, you know, that stuff falls into place for you and you're starting to grow and, you know, maybe growing a little bit more rapidly you know, obviously you want to stay true to yourself. You want to stay true to like your programming, your intimacy with your clients and, you know, the quality of the training, which is absolutely a hundred percent, you know, what needs to happen. But say we have X, Y, and Z in place. What's the ultimate big picture? Let's say like maybe five years down the road, maybe 10 years down the road. Like where do you want to see Bell's gym go? Is it, you know, maybe you want to tackle on, you know, maybe some other smaller gyms or, you know, maybe you want to replicate or, you know, kind of talk to us about big, big picture. So I'm not, I'm, I'm, I have vision, but the, I've never, I've never gotten into this to be like, I want a huge gym. I want 300 clients. I wouldn't be upset if I had 300 clients, but it would be overwhelming and I would need staff. Right. So right now I have two other trainers that help. They don't get a ton of hours, but they're there to help. Um, my main goal, what I would love to see happen in the next five years would be increase clients particularly by adding on these additional programs, rowing, like a competitive row team, because there is, you can compete competitively on the concept to rowers. Um, and that's actually happening right now. Uh, but you can do that on a worldwide level inside a gym. And so I had started before COVID was um, training to break world records on the ski erg. Skier is not, uh, oh. it's not super popular, right? You don't see it in every gym. You'll see it in some CrossFit gyms, 
um, maybe a couple studio gyms, but it's an amazing tool to use. It's something you can, especially at my age, I think because over 50, I see new doors opening and opportunity for that age range, just because when you start competing, you're in different age levels mm-hmm. and there's not too many. Now at my gym, there are my 50 year old women rock it. So I would love to get that type of thing happening. Um, real competitive groups going. And then also with the kettlebell, um, I would like to start holding kettlebell clinics, um, start training other trainers in kettlebell so that they can actually train it properly in even any other gym. I love the steel mace. I would like to introduce that to the gym. And then, uh, I'm taking the flexible steel certification, which I've already been doing most of that stuff, but adding weight to mobility movements and really, I would love to see people super strong, healthy, um, and just, you know, generally overall fit, you know, got their nutrition down, their exercise, their sleep, their mental wellness. Um, you're just going to live a longer, happier life that way. Um, and like I said, I've mentioned my age a couple of times, but comparatively to people my age, people think I'm crazy, but it feels fantastic. And I just want other people to feel fantastic too. It's such a good feeling. I oh, love that for you, um, especially you're not crazy. Um, because if you, you to, to you and me, like people in and maybe some other listeners out there too, and you know, we'll wrap up here in a second with this, but you have one life. Like you're not a cat. You don't have nine lives. You're, you know, right. you're not, you know, um, meta or, you know, invincible. It's like, what, what is crazy? Like, if you want to try new things, try it. You know, right. if you want to be fit and do all these things at a certain age, like, why not? Like, what's, you know, what, what's stopping you? Why would you not want to do that? You know, don't let other people take your shine away. So, you know, that's just, you know, two cents for that. But um Jennifer so leading into you wanting people to just feel strong and happy and I love that what pieces of advice or wisdom would you give somebody that you know young or old you know big or small a lot of money no money big town small town whatever what advice would you give them on you know starting their journey into becoming an owner or maybe partnering with somebody kind of you know give our listeners here some some feedback and some advice on you know what you would do and what you would give them as far as advice so what I would tell you, you want me to say uh, what I would like to see everyone doing or gym owners? For anybody aspiring to be their own entrepreneur, like if they oh. want like a fitness facility, like what words of wisdom or advice would you give them starting from scratch? Starting from scratch, learn as much as possible. Like I said, the one year internship, I didn't get paid a penny. I was there every single day hustling. And it was, I was a sponge. You can take what you need from someone, even though they're still getting something out of you. It's a, it's a good trade, right? So if you see someone you admire or um, even physically, ask them what they're doing, research it, look at, you know, get certified, uh, the kettlebell, find the best place to get certified, go in, give it a hundred percent use it. Um, I did tons of research as far as, you know, like I said, the only reason I went into this was because I plateaued myself. Why am I plateauing? 
it's, you know, you do need to uh, change things up, even though we're using the same movements, find different ways to do the same things. Uh, take care of your body, eat well, sleep well, mental health, meditate. You know, it sounds like a lot of work, but it should be your daily way of life. Um, that's just my philosophy. Uh, and the one other thing is a lot of people have issues with that because they feel selfish. Put yourself first. If you are not mentally, physically top shape, you can't take care of anybody else. You're not as useful for your family. Um, and you got to get over that. It's, it is self-care. Don't feel selfish. Take care of yourself. Like you said, you only have one life. Make it the best life. Amazing. Um, one life, make it the best, you know, don't have regrets, have lessons. And Take control of your health. Absolutely. And, you know, you can do it all naturally. Food is medicine. Exercise is medicine, not only for your physical body, but for your mental health. Mental health is key. I think that's one of the most underdiagnosed, uh, illnesses that uh you know controls the world you mm -hmm. know whether you know no matter what profession you're in so great advice um definitely hits home you know no matter no matter you're in a small town big town five thousand people 500 people or 50 people you know it's, it's it's all the same across different areas so jennifer i appreciate all that one last thing before we get off here today go ahead and give a shout out to your facility how can our members look you up reach you if they're in the area maybe they want to look up some photos kind of Give a quick shout out of how they can reach you. Right now we're on Facebook, Bell's Jim Milford, Facebook and uh, Instagram, working on the website still. Uh, but then hopefully as we go on through this year, I'll get some instructional videos up there. If anyone's ever in the area, you're always welcome to stop in, come work out with us for free. I always tell people you get a week for free because we switch it up every day. I want you to see the different styles we do. I also want you to get a day of recovery and with us stretching mobility um, and, and see the big picture of, of who we are and what we do. Awesome. As I just followed y'all on Instagram as well. So I'm, I'm a supporter. Um, well, everybody listening out there, that's how you reach out to Miss Jennifer here in her Bell's gym. A uh, lot of exciting things going on and, you know, recapping with, you know, don't under, underestimate your mental health. Take care of yourself. Um, and if you're in the area, definitely go visit Jen, because it sounds like she's going to take care of you guys as well. Uh, for anybody else out there that wants to be on the podcast, please click the link below, type in all your information. We'll reach out to you and we'll get you on and have an amazing conversation just like today. But until then, y'all, that is another episode of the Gym Lords podcast and Gym Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Wars Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Emily Newton, 
And joining us on the show is Alec from Matt Martial Arts and Fitness. What's going on, Alec? How are you doing today? Doing well, thanks, Emily. How about yourself? I'm good. Thank you so much for asking. So before we dive into the nitty gritty of what you guys have going on, tell us a little bit about how you describe Matt Martial Arts and Fitness and what made you want to start your gym in the first place. Uh, I had been in the martial arts industry specifically for pretty much my entire life. It was a side gig for a huge chunk of my time. Um, I always had, uh, as a childhood, it was an aspect of what I did, but I was actually trained to be a professional athlete in the baseball world. And um, to make ends meet financially while I was doing that, I also would teach martial arts on the side. And the position that I found myself in when I was young was growing more and more in that world and getting me more and more opportunities to continue teaching and then uh, eventually running facilities for another company that I've spent ultimately 12, 12 and a half years with. And I realized during that time that one, uh, being a professional baseball player was not gonna be my, my fate. <laughs> um, and so I needed to find other things and, and, and martial arts was always there for me and I was good at it. So I just continued to develop that aspect of my life. And um, I was running multiple schools for a company that um, I was very happy with in Los Angeles and doing really well. And uh, at some point, it, it started to run its course in terms of, of where I was going with it. And I felt like the need to have a little bit more. And my only stage after that would have been to, to be in charge of everything. Uh, and so my, my now wife and I, when we got married, we, we had decided that we wanted to open up our own facility and and give it a try. And so we moved to Austin, Texas. And uh, I worked for another gentleman trying to open up a facility for him. And probably a mixture of things, uh, difference of philosophies and opinions on how to run the business. But also, I kind of just wanted to do my own thing. I, I, I quickly found myself shopping around to figure out how to make my business plan work. And um, because in Los Angeles, what I've been focusing on was children. I had done a lot of work with kids martial arts, so that was definitely a specialty of mine, but I wanted to further that into the adult arena um, and appropriate some of the things that I've been doing with kids on a, a different approach for teaching martial arts to adults, because typically it's been a more militaristic approach. Um, and uh, at the time, uh, the stuff that we were doing with the kids was a little bit more cutting edge with a lot more positive reinforcement and reward-based training. I thought adults are just big kids. We could, we could make this happen too. And my business plan eventually uh, hit the ground running and we were able to secure some money and, and, and found a facility that was near shutting down, but um, we had some opportunities and some growth. And so that's what we took over originally. They didn't have a kid's program, so it was easy to drop in what I wanted to do. And they had an adult program that was easy for me to build what I didn't have. And um, we tried to merge the two together and that was back in 2014. Um, here we are now in 2023. and uh, you know, 200 plus members and doing well in the community and, and, uh, just the big evolution we've gone through over the years without COVID being part of it. <laughs> yeah. That's a cool story, man. Um, glad to hear that you guys are doing well. So prior to opening up your gym, did you have like any experience with business or was this a, like a 360 for you? Uh, it was not a 360, but it wasn't a slam dunk either. Um, I I had, you know, I had been a manager of a facility um, and, and a supervisor over um, multiple locations. Uh, I was never the one making all the financial decisions. I was always the one advising 
performance to towards the financial decision, but it was never my checkbook. So it was never down to me. And uh, I had some, some power within the organization to affect the business, but it wasn't my decision. It was always my advice. Um, So as it ran into me being the one in charge, there was a huge uh, learning as you go on the financial side of things. And, um, you know, you, you, you try to surround yourself with people who can help you make those decisions the right way. And, and that was tough to figure out who would be the right people for you. And, and so there, you, you make some decisions and you realize that was maybe one that could have been chosen differently and yeah. you had to make your choices and just keep going from there. <laughs> so that's true. That's true. So being that you were, uh, in a leadership position as a manager, are there certain skills that you believe serve are serving you well? that you uh, built prior to starting your gym? Oh, absolutely. Um, when I was, uh, when, I, when my position at the other, other um, organization was growing, I had not finished my bachelor's degree in college and I kept changing my majors over and over and over again, being in my early 20s and mid 20s. Um, by the time I was 26, I decided to finish my degree and eventually I landed on organizational leadership as, as my focal point. And, uh, I think that shaped a huge amount of who I became professionally moving forward. I used it daily. Um, every aspect of what I was learning helped me understand the interpersonal relationships with who I'm working with, who I'm working for, um, who I'm, who I'm trying to work around and what the clientele is and maximizing workplace culture and, communication skills, um, just all of those things, which seem logical when you have a conversation with a person, for some reason seem to kind of go out the door when it gets to the technicalities of running a business. And, um, and it really, really helped me build community environments that I was working within with, with every aspect of, of who I'm with. And, and I think that as a business model, that, that, that played a huge effect in what I wanted to offer the community and how I want to operate with with employees and contractors and and uh, and just in general operate as a business. It, it was it was definitely a huge piece of that. And my wife ended up getting her master's degree in the same thing slightly afterwards. So we'd always bounce ideas back and forth with each other. And um, it just I, I think it really helped shape a lot of the decisions that that I've made over time and how I handle people and build relationships so that even when somebody doesn't come in to sign up, they're still referring people to us. Right. And uh, you know people who no longer work for me they still want to talk to me and you know to keep up those relations and then people who are here they stay forever can't get rid of them sometimes hmm. so you guys have pretty good client retention we do yeah we uh we, we definitely seem to be above average for the industry <laughs> so industry average is for attrition or client retention is 10 percent. do you know like right. off the top of your head like what y'all's is yeah we're about 70 okay so what what are some of the things you guys are doing to make that makes people want to stay for a long period of time? Um, you know, I, I've been told by a number of people they really enjoy the community, the sense of community that's developed when they're on the floor. Um, with uh, with the world I came from, was traditional martial arts originally. You have a hierarchy, and you have you have the people in charge, and you know by the what what they're dressed as. Um, they've got different colored uniforms. Of course, there's black belts and colored belts below and whatnot, but they're, it's almost militaristic in, in the way that you can see the procession or the progression of the, 
the people in the company. And then um, in the uh, on the adult side of things, we have a Krav Maga program where a lot of times the Krav Maga martial arts studios you see around here have uh, somebody with a shirt on the back that says they're the instructor or they're the coach. Um, you can see a group of people and then there's one person wearing that shirt and like, oh, that's the person in charge. And um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But what I, what I like to, to have here is more of an inclusive experience. I mean, all of our, all of our coaches, they wear the same thing the other people wear. I mean, it's, it's all shirts that represent us, but it's the same shirt that anybody can buy in the store. And, um, you know, they, they look just like everybody else on the floor. They just carry themselves like the one in charge. Um, they're, they're one with the people, so to speak. They, you know, we go by first name basis, even on the, uh, on, on the kid side of things, you're not, you're not delineating the Mr. and Mrs. side of things. You're still incorporating the yes, sirs, yes, ma'ams. Um, our instructors for the kids side, they still go by the terminology of sensei. Um, but some people call you coach and, you know, that's just the, the way that our culture is kind of bred to acknowledge people who are here. But I don't know. I just, I, I think it's, it's, it's really more a matter of everybody who's teaching the class happen to have also been a student here at some point. So they understand where the students are coming from. And everybody who works at the front desk also works on the floor. So there's just a commingling of all responsibilities for everybody here. Everyone just feels together. Okay. So on average, like what's the average length of time that people stay? Um, well, COVID kind of cut those numbers off. <laughs> um, we were running, you know, four to five years on, on, on the adult side of things. Um, and that's, that was, that was pretty, pretty average for, for the adult side of things on the kids side. Uh, it was three. Um, and then depending on what they do when they get to middle school and high school, sometimes your schedules get a little more chaotic. Uh, we have a new crop of people who have come in from COVID or our relocation put us, we're in the same neighborhood, but we're still enough at a different part of the neighborhood that you, you, you get some, some drop off and you get some, some regrowth. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're about a, just over a year into that new space. So some of those numbers are a little bit different than what they had been prior. Um, we're looking at projections of somewhere in the, the, the four to five years for a kid to be in the program um, based off of when they've started and how they're, how they're moving forward. And yeah. of course, you can't predict the future. But um, yeah. I'd say it's, 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 it's quite a few years. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. So with that being said, like you guys have, and I kind of the questions are a little bit backward, but I wanted to talk about client retention. This is something that you did bring up first. Um, how are you guys getting people in the door? It's like, what are your, what are, we, you, what are you doing for marketing? Like what's worked well and what are some things that have not worked well that you will never try again? <laughs> um, I've reduced significantly over the years any sort of print ad. Um, we have a couple of local publications that go to your door. Um, like when you first move into a new neighborhood, um, certain neighborhoods have um, resources and, and, and articles of what to do in the neighborhood and, 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 and ways for, for new families to figure out what they can spend their time doing locally. And so we do have some advertisements and some features in those types of magazines every so often. Um, we have an ad in a, in a, um, a mailer that goes to uh, every house monthly in, in two different neighborhoods around us. Other than that, everything is, is uh, word of mouth is huge for us. And we have a couple of paid for campaigns on Facebook, Instagram uh, that rotate depending on the season. But 
Um, I don't do a, a whole lot of Google pay for ads anymore. Um, and I don't, I, I, I will sponsor events and I'll, I'll put money towards funder, fundraisers for schools and for PTA organizations and whatnot. And we'll sponsor little things here and there just to get our name out there. Um, but it's, it's mostly, you know, we have calendars and t-shirts and, and, uh, and whatnot for like the local police departments and, um, city funded programs of that nature. And then a couple of high schools and middle schools that are really close to us and everything else is as organic as we can make it. Gotcha. Okay. So with the pay, you said you, you run paid ads on Facebook and Instagram just at certain times of the year. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's fluxes in the industry on the calendar. Um, you know, mid January to, to, mid-February, end of February is always a big rush in New Year's resolutions for everybody as as everyone in the industry understands. Um, you know, there's lulls in December and so it helps us to have preempt some of those things by pushing campaigns out prior to the new year so that in the new year you have a little bit more of an influx of, of clientele coming in that you can capture and, and continue onward. Um, a lot of our students are, are, a lot of our members are students um, in different age groups of school so the school calendar does affect the ebbs and flows of our our rush times. So uh, springtime is a nice big push. Mm-hmm. Um, midsummer things start to go down again, and then in the new school year in September, up to August, September, things pick back up again. So there's there's about three or four ebbs and flows seasonally, and so you know we put a couple of ads out to offset some of those those ebbs to create more flow. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. All right. So talk to us a little bit about like what your day-to-day looks like as the owner. Like what are some things that you do every single day consistently uh, to keep your business growing? Well, my first thing that I do when I come into the studio is I check in with whoever's working for the day. Uh, we have some shifts. And so like whoever's here for the morning, whether it's an instructor or customer service, uh, we go through everything that's that's on the plan, what's on the agenda for the day, what's on the agenda for the week, how are we doing with goals that we've been setting for the last couple of weeks leading up to now? Do we have any big events that we have to, to try to push towards or any any special focus of interest? So it could be marketing campaigns, it could be, uh, you know, we're trying to get people ready for rank testing. Uh, it could be a, a seminar, you know, we do stuff with the communities out here. So uh, a couple of times a year, we'll do um, an active killer training um, for instructors, teachers, um, city officials, um, administrators, parents, students, we bring them all in and, and we go through what to do in the case of a, you know, a mass shooting event or, or something of similar nature. Uh, we do trauma care. Um, we'll do um, some pretty large women's self-defense seminars on a quarterly basis. And we bring people in from all over the area. Um, and so those things we put a lot of focus towards. And, and, and as a result of that, we have to have all of our ducks in a row. And so, you know, how are we doing on this objective? How are we doing on this goal? Those kinds of questions. What, what are our targets for the day? What are our targets for the week? And then each day, it's just checking in on those things moving forward. Um, and then at, at the beginning of the next week, we, we review how we did, and then we look at what we're doing. <laughs> so it's just a constant upkeep of, of that flow. Um, if there's any specific things coming in, like prepare, preparation for... Uh, you know, our trial classes, our students who are coming in for their first visits or people who are coming in with specific purpose, then we talk about those things as well. 
And uh, at least once a week, I will have some scheduled time with all my instructors to go over curriculum and methodology of teaching and maximizing their ability to present material, whether it's kids group, different ages of kids groups or adult content to make sure everybody is running classes smoothly. Yeah. And how many instructors do you guys have now? Uh, we have a total of, of seven instructors um, across all the programs. And then there's myself also, which I guess eight, including me. Gotcha. Okay. So seven instructors and then plus one, including you. Um, backtracking a little bit uh, to your, your role as the owner, like, are you doing on, like, when somebody comes in for a membership, are you doing the selling or have you kind of taught, like, your instructors to do that as well? Uh, we all do it. Um, everybody here has the ability to run that conversation, no matter what your role is. And some people are a little bit more adept at it than others. Uh, we do have some instructors who are also paid to come in and do customer service for the day, mm -hmm. um, admin work when they're not teaching. And, um, and they work around 30 hours each for the week. And then we have some people who just come in to teach. Um, so the, the, the folks who come in for the admin side of things also, they are the what we'll call the face of the company or the forward facing admin side of it. So you walk in the door, they're typically the first face you see, or you call, that's typically the first person who answers the phone. Mm -hmm. um, they're doing a lot of the callbacks and uh, the outreach on a regular basis and, and acting as a little bit of a go-between for me so that they can filter in some of the things that I, doesn't get bombarded on me exclusively. So there's a number of, number of people who call asking for me that don't need to specifically talk to me. Gotcha. Um, they just don't know who else to ask for. <laughs> so they can handle a lot of that and do, do a lot of the scheduling and, and, and enrollment processing. And then, then I can handle the bigger ticket items if necessary. Heard. Okay. So are there any other tasks that you have delegated to your team outside of the selling and customer service? Um, I have a little bit of a focal point slightly directed towards each person, um, this a certain person might be a little bit more uh, comfortable with with the technical side of, of things on the computer. So they kind of do a little bit more of the administrative work on the system that operates the management, the, this, the memberships and, and the billing side of things to help me spot check some of those things, uh, make sure that everybody's accounts are up to date or, or things need to be upgraded or um, whatever whatever management needs to happen for that. And then I have some other folks who are, a little bit more task oriented. So they're really good at helping me crank out lists like inventory counts and, and callback lists and things of that nature. Um, everybody kind of shares the cleaning um, upkeep of the facility. We do have a cleaning crew, but they have to constantly maintain some cleanliness throughout the time as well. And, and so we, we delegate everything. I mean, it's, 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 it's very socialistic in, in a sense that everybody does a little bit of everything. <laughs> Um, we're all here for the same purpose and we're all here for the, for the same goal. So we all help each other get there. And if you need help, you just yeah, ask and it happens. Okay. That's so the reason I asked, because I, sometimes I run into a lot of gym owners that have a really hard time delegating and it's like, they want to control like everything, but for, you know, the listener, whoever's listening to that, that can resonate with that. Like, what is the uh, benefit of delegating? Well, I'm laughing a little bit on my end here because uh, for the first five years of operations, I was the only person other than a couple of instructors exclusively running some classes. They would come and teach class, they would leave. Um, and, and they were a little bit 
of a holdover from the previous regime. And I, I carried them on. They were great instructors. So I, I, I had them keep teaching some of the programs that I didn't have to worry about it. And, uh, and so I did everything myself. And so delegating and learning how to delegate and, and, and being willing to delegate was, uh, was not even an option <laughs> um, until roughly two years ago when I hired my first actual employee. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've grown quite a bit on the back end of things to the team since then to the degree that I actually have to delegate. I have people who are waiting for me to give them something to do. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm so used to just doing it all myself that, that it, uh, it became really difficult for me to let go of certain controls and even teaching the classes that, that I've developed and, and, and created on my own, letting somebody else teach them in my stead is, uh, was challenging and, and being able to watch a class and not sit there and think about all the things I would do differently. Um, but instead come up to them and give them the proper encouragements and the proper feedback on, on, on what we're doing really well and how we can keep this going and making it better. Uh, I do that on the admin side of things. And, and sometimes I catch myself, uh, realizing that, that this person has learned to do this the same way that I had, um, where your feet to the fire. And if you don't do it, the place goes under, uh, that's not their situation. <laughs> so to take back a step and realize, look, you have to groom this person to understand why certain things are important. That, that to me was, was big. And one of, one of the things that, that, um, that I learned really early on professionally, and then I, I, I had to apply differently than I expected was getting people to understand the why, <laughs> excuse me. So much like a teacher trying to, trying to disseminate information effectively, you know, do something a certain way, because um, if you can get, your workforce to understand why certain things are important. You almost don't even have to tell them how to do it. Um, they start to figure out how to do it because they recognize the significance of doing it. Um, and so it's being able to find that spot to, to identify with, with somebody. And, and, and the why for the business is pretty consistent, but the why for the person may not be. And, and so it's also getting to know who you're working with and, and recognizing where what makes them tick and how can you tap into that to get them to see your why <laughs> yeah that was well said i like that explanation um so two more questions here one to two sure uh earlier you mentioned that you guys have you're around that 200 plus member mark um where yeah. do you want to like are you in a place now where you are still like actively growing your business or are you kind of good where you're at like where do you want to take things from here as far as like your just long-term vision, where are we short-term for like the rest of the year? Well, we, uh, like I said, we relocated a year and a half ago. Uh, we were in uh, a smaller space that we were outgrowing and then COVID hit and it, it took us back some. And uh, we were able to shift our operations really quickly into sustaining enough membership to get through that. And also, fortunately, we happened to be in Texas, and Texas had different regulations than some of the other states. And so we were allowed to operate sooner than other people. Some folks that I was with professionally in California, they barely made ends meet because they just got open less than a year ago to the degree that we've been open for almost three years. Um, so that was a huge plus for us to be able to get the, get the ball rolling sooner than some other folks in the country. And so I, my heart goes out to those businesses for sure. Um, and, uh, and so when we relocated, it was 
our lease was up and we had to find a new space, we found a place that was much bigger and much more conducive to operating and, and fit the growth that we we're projecting uh, in a much better area. And so now our, our, our goal here is to be able to hit uh, between 280 and 300 in this facility um, and just keep that as a consistent flow. I don't really want to go more than that here. Uh, if we have to, then we have to expand. And there, there is potential to expand outward within our building, but um, I really like our location. So I don't want to change that. <laughs> um, we're situated between like the high school and middle school of the area and then like four elementary schools. And we're right amongst all the residential areas. It's super central. I don't want to. I don't want to ruin that. Um, and we're in a really high growth area of Austin called Cedar Park. So it's a it's a suburb north of Cedar Park or north of Austin. All the tech companies are in this area or moving to this area. Uh, so I, I'm I'm looking at being able to grow our facility about a hundred more students um, and just maintaining that on a regular basis. Uh, people ask me if I'm interested in other locations. I'm not opposed to it. I've run multiple locations for other people. Um, I've spoken to a number of business owners who have multiple locations. Uh, there is a way to make it work. It is a massive headache, and there is a lapse of quality to some effect as you expand to that degree because you just can't have the same quality control um, as you would if you're in the facility yourself every single day. So I'm hesitant to consider it, but I'm open to the idea of it in the right scenarios. Um, I'd rather just make this place be a rockin' place, just, you know, make it be a place to go and, and, and just not worry about it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, Alec, this is a really good place for us to wrap things up on this episode. But before we sign out, please tell our listeners where they could find you. Uh, you can find us on all of the uh, internet and uh, social media handles, the Matt Austin. Uh, com, Instagram, TikTok, and uh, Facebook. Uh, don't do any Twitter. We have an account, which is not active. <laughs> um, but uh, the Matt Austin is is the moniker we go by, and uh, we are in Cedar Park, Texas. So anyone who lives in the area and wants to come by and check us out, we're, our doors are always open. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Alec. We really appreciate your time and contribution to the podcast and really looking forward to seeing what you guys are going to be able to accomplish down the road. Also, to everybody you, who is today, you're welcome. We appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit the like and subscribe button. And if you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Wards out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Words Podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders.
What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I am your host. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us on the show, we have Stephen Madre of Fitness for You down in Florida with soon to be two locations. Stephen, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm good. I'm good, man. Nice to be on the show. I'm excited to have you here. This is a this is the perfect time to get you here and I sort of hinted at it but I don't want to steal your thunder before we talk business and all of that why don't you give us a little bit of background and context for what fitness for you is how do you describe this in your own words um we are a 24-hour gym um we have 24-hour access our members have an app and they are able to key into the gym and come whenever they want we offer training um, we have showers and saunas and smoothie bars. We definitely pushed a lot of our training. That's kind of my background. So I definitely enjoy the training aspect of it. But um, yeah, with the no contract, it makes it so much easier. Yeah. And so that helps for the context of our conversation. 24-hour facility, we've got various add-ons, training being the meat and potatoes of, of our focus. I somewhat alluded to it, but we, we've been in one of our locations for around five years now. Talk to us about the, the impending news here of location number two. Why don't you, why don't you tell people a little bit about that and, and what they can expect here in the next couple of weeks or a couple of months? Yeah, so we, uh, we kind of started this project uh, beginning of 22, uh, January, and then we didn't get into construction until about, I would say about May. Um, so we have, it's big, the, the city, the town that we live in is really needed this. They only had one gym and they were traveling 15 miles to go to another gym because the gym around here was just too expensive and was a contract. So it makes a big difference, you know, when you have a contract to non-contract. So um, they're going to expect a lot. That's for sure. We put yeah. a lot into this um, the facility is 9,000 square feet. And I separated the gyms up to make, you know, the back room a little bit more for the younger crowd. And then the front yeah. is more quieter. Um, just the kind of the things that I seen that was wrong in my, or my late placid, you know, um, so I'm trying to fix that. Yeah. You, and so two locations now for to oh. summarize here. Yeah, we've got Avon Park, we've got Lake Placid. Bring us back. I'm a big believer in in history tells a pretty good tale here, and so take me to not necessarily the day that the doors opened on location number one. Take me to the day that the idea popped into your head that I'm going to open up my own gym. What inspired uh. all of this? Um, I've always been into the gym industry um, as a young kid. I, uh, there was some trouble past um, with family and stuff, and it was my way of getting away from that. It was the one thing in my life that I could control. I went in there, I had the discipline, and I was able to go in there and just be happy. So leading up many years later, um, I ended up having to get, I got laid off of my job and decided, you know, I'm going to be a trainer and do what I love, wake up and do what I love every day. And I went down to the local Anytime Fitness and they hired me on the spot. They knew me. They knew my background and, and working out. And um, they, I'll never forget, they asked me a question. They said, what was, uh, what's your plan working here? I said, my plan is to own a gym. And my dream started right then that I wanted to own one. I just needed to learn 
what it's like to be in a gym atmosphere. You know, everybody thinks that they can, uh, it's, it's simple to train yourself, but when you have to train other people and you're, you're, you're faced with so many different conditions, you have to be able on that spot to be able to take care of that. So yeah. it was, it was big, man. So my dream started there. Um, but my passion has never, has never faltered or never changed, you know, of, of my passion of just loving the gym, you know? And so we, we made the leap from personal trainer at some point to gym owner. This was about five years ago. Look back on that time just for a minute and reminisce here. What's been, what's been your favorite part about owning your own gym and what's been the most challenging part about owning your own gym? Um, my favorite part is just the interaction with people and not being told what to do. Um, I was, when I was a trainer at the other gym, I, I wasn't able to be who I wanted to be. Um, so I, I liked that freedom to add a piece of equipment or, or just have a fun time in the gym, um, or just give someone a free session. You know, I was so held back that I couldn't, I give a free session away and I'd get in trouble for it. So to me, I've given hundreds of free sessions, but that's because I just love to be in that atmosphere. It really wasn't about the money. Um, and the one thing I hate about it, well, man, it was, it was, I hate cancellations. <laughs> I'm being honest. <laughs> I hate cancellations. It's like the yeah. worst feeling, but when you first start out, you feel like you're kind of failing it's that feeling of failing that, that really would motivate me to just like be better, to be the best in town. Yeah. Right. But every cancellation just, I, I remember my first cancellation. I know the guy by his name. Like it, it's just something that, that motivated me to just make sure that these people didn't want to cancel. And it wasn't saying I was a bad gym. It was just saying their time didn't match or, you know, too expensive or, or whatnot, you know, but it was, it was the cancellations, man. I hate can still to this day. Someone you can, like, oh. you can feel the pain in your voice oh. as you talk about this. And so uh, not an unfamiliar feeling for those of us in the fitness industry, especially yes. coming out of the past couple of years, depending on where you're at, but cancellations come with the, get, with the job. Nobody's got a hundred percent retention. People move, people get sick, right. people get different jobs. It is what it is. Yep you use that as, as motivation and fuel to provide as good of a service as you possibly can. I want to explore that kind of the entirety of the customer journey with you guys and, and go through some different touch points. And so for you in the five years that you've been doing this, what's, what's worked well and maybe what hasn't worked so well just to get people interested in coming through the doors of the gym we'll we'll chalk it under the bucket of of marketing but what's been successful and what hasn't um i do a lot of facebook um i, I do i you know at first facebook was it i mean that was what let people know that i was in town and i'm still doing facebook right now for for Avon park at a certain point they kind of know who you are um and then you know kind of just go from there but i would say my my facebook was my biggest marketing um and the papers did not work it, it was just too expensive um definitely starting out um i just stuck with facebook and instagram it really did it really did help you know posting all the time and knowing what time to post you know you don't 
post at three o'clock in the afternoon. You, you post at six o'clock because people are off work. They're scrolling, you know, after dinner, stuff like that. Um, what doesn't work? I don't think uh, the dollar sales work very well. I think that it may bring them in just for that one second, but you're not going to retain them because um, they're coming because it's so cheap. You have to have that value, right? Like, yeah. hey, you're talking you about like a dollar down for yeah. 30 days or whatever. I actually found that the $10 down worked way better. Okay. It really did. And I can look into my attrition or I can look into my reports and it would show that anytime I did a dollar, one month after that, it fell off. Hmm. I did a $10, it would just keep going up. Interesting. Yeah. The more, the more people are bought in, the more they're sticking around, at least. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're buying. And it seems like a, a minor difference between one and 10, but noticeable <clears throat> nonetheless. Now, I want to I wanna pick your brain on the Facebook side of things because that's, that's such a big impact on our industry and other gyms using that sort of a strategy. Has that come purely organically? Has that come with an advertising budget, some combination of both? What are you guys actually putting out? So when I started out, I started out at a $330, in my mind was a $330 budget each month to do advertising. And I had to look at it as, am I getting enough members to pay for that $330 each month? Where is it benefiting me? Um, I've had to, lo I lower it now because it's, I'm just getting memberships all day long just from people knowing, but I definitely put a, a $300 on there. Just, just so it wasn't a lot, but you just need to target within your area. Don't try to target out too far. Right. Um, and know, know your gyms around you. <laughs> yeah. Now, with the new gym coming, was that something that you guys focused more on with location number two? Did we do less of it about the same? Tell us about that. Um, so Lake Placid, I'm not from. Um, I'm from Avon Park. So there's a lot more people that know me. Um, so when I posted on my actual Facebook, it got out really fast. But I actually did a little bit more marketing on this one because I have a lot more money invested in this one and it, I want it to be successful. Yeah. Okay. And so investing into at least the launching of this, where that'll trickle down to maybe that $300 range will continue to make sense. Take us to the, to the next step here, Steven, because this type of a model, just getting people interested is half the battle. At some point we need to actually sign them up. Walk me through what a typical sales process looks like. Who am I talking with? What's that conversation about? What am I signing up for at the end of it? Okay. So mine's a little different. Um, it's kind of the same, but kind of different because in 2020, we've seen a big shift with COVID, everything happening. Um, everybody started to go into the online. Everything was online and everybody was from home and stuff like that. So in Lake Placid, I lowered my price um, for the first year after COVID. And that helped out tremendously, um, being in that price range that people could afford after COVID. Um, now, the, I'm trying to think how to explain it. Um, lost what I was saying. 
<laughs> sales process. So a little bit same, a little bit different. Oh, sorry, sorry. And, and things shifted during COVID. Yeah. Um, the sales process, we do online signups. So you can join off of our website and join the gym from your home right then. You get sent a request to download our app and you can automatically join the gym right then. So you don't actually have to have staff up front. We do um, just for the day-to-day -day stuff and you'll have people that come in. Now, when they come in, we're gonna give them a tour. If they ask me, what is your price? I will not try to get away from the question. I'm gonna tell them right then, how many people are you wanting to join? We have different pricing for a different amount of people on a membership. Um, so that helps out too. Um, the pricing. So I will tell them right away what the price is. I've been in gyms where they want to say, well, let's get through the end of this and let me show you everything. And then I'll tell you the price because that puts a bad feeling in them. You know, Oh, why, what are they hiding kind of thing? I'm up front yeah. about thing. And then we just show them what the fitness for you way is. And that's just being nice. Just caring about them. Um, they're already in a bad situation. You know, they don't really want to be, and a gym, they just feel uncomfortable half the time. You know, you have the people that come in there and they just go straight into it. You know, they know what they're doing. They know what they want. And then you have the people that are going to come in and want a tour. Then people are the ones that you're going to want to take around and show to each piece of equipment. And I don't care how long it takes. It may take two hours. I will spend two hours showing you the gym. And then at the end of it, I'll say, hey, there's no pressure. You can join. I can sign you up right now. Um, or if you need to think on it, you're more than welcome to. You just have to know how to sell it and not pressure them because you lose that connection when you pressure. Transparent is a word that, that comes to mind based on yes. your explanation there. It's, mm -hmm. it's the, the we're up front. We know, obviously, like you said, we know that this person came to us for a reason. We're not trying to trick them. We're not yeah. trying to, to smoke and mirror our way through a process. Here's what the challenge you just told me is here's how we can help with it if it makes sense this is the route to go i think like you said covid was a big catalyst of that but i think a lot of facilities are getting back to that sort of mindset in their sales process just because the buyer is different right mm -hmm. this isn't the the 1990s sales methodology of, of get them in at all costs, sign them up no matter what. It's, it's got to be different. Like you mentioned, we have to know our market. There's a million options of gyms that they could go to. Why should they come to us? We got to treat them like a human. It sounds silly. It sounds ridiculous that we even have to like say that out loud in this style of an interview. But I got asked the question. I got asked a question in Lake Placid. Um, one of, the, one of the members, I'll never forget, it became one of my closest friends because he was just so good business-wise. He came up to the front desk and he says, why should I pay more for you? What makes you different? And the one thing that came to my mind was, it's me. It's like, what do you mean it's me? It's me and I'll show you. And I showed him who I was as a person. You know, it's not just... To me, it's just not a job. It's, it's, I love, I absolutely love coming to work every day. And if you bring that to your environment and everybody around you, they become successful and everybody around you loves being around you. Yeah. If, 
One thing that you mentioned earlier, Stephen, that, that stood out to me was the focus on personal training in this sort of a model. What do you guys do and, and how is that conversation handled to try to steer people towards a service that might make sense for them? Um, I believe slowing down the way that you talk to somebody. Okay. Um, I learned this from a guy, his name's Matt, and he still calls me, he still works at the anytime and he, he still calls me and he still checks on me and makes sure I'm doing good. And I learned from him that you have to learn to connect to people um, and they have to be able to buy into you because they don't know your abilities. They just know you from that experience that you're having right then. They don't know how good of a trainer you are. They don't know that. So they're at that moment when they're signing up for training, they're signing up for you, not your abilities just yet because they don't know it yet. They're signing up for you. So you need to show them who you are that you care. Um, it, it's, it makes, it makes such a big difference when they're talking to you because some trainers will talk really, really fast and they're, they're lost. You know, if someone's lost, then they feel uncomfortable. So you just slow down. Um, and we just tell them what they need. They don't have to buy training and I'm not mad if you don't buy training. If you need my help, please just ask me. That's all I ask. It's, yeah, this model, this model is fascinating to me because memberships are the gateway, like you said. That's the first point of contact. But from a revenue standpoint, from a profitability standpoint, businesses like this can make just as much money from a really good PT department as they can from membership, even more so from PT. The ceiling is far higher. Yes. You know? So something to focus on nonetheless. Now, our conversation so far has really been, how did we get here? What do you do now? Paint me the picture of the future here in your mind, Stephen. This is an exciting time. We're, we're just shy of location number two opening. Big picture this. Hypothetically, location number two goes great. Memberships are selling. PT is selling. Everything's going fantastically. What's beyond that in your mind? Um, I want a franchise. Um, but I want to do it differently than everybody else has done it. Um, because there's guys like me or trainers or just love this industry and they just don't know where to start, you know? Yeah, we can all go get a loan, but how do you, how do you go from the start to the end? And that's, that's where, you, you know, when you buy into a franchise, it's like, okay, you have $40,000 up front, just this, and then good luck. But I want to teach people how to make it successful, right? So Joe Blow can go get a member, you know, can go, buy a gym, franchise it with us, we're going to come there, build it, show you how to do it. And we're going to walk you through the steps of how to pay your trainers, how your trainers should talk to people and it be affordable. You know, I just, I just want the culture of the love for what I have to just go on. And I want other people to be able to have a foundation that's successful. Right. Don't get me wrong. There's probably some things I'm going to change or I can change. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm working them all out right now, but at some point I would like for people, anybody to say, Hey, Steven, I would like to, I would like to do a gym. Can you help me out? Well, let's go, let's do it. But you yeah. need to be the right person and you have to, to love it. I, to me, it, it just makes, <laughs> that's I the challenge. So that's much. the big picture. Right I there. say it. I say it so much, but it has so much power to me, you know, because if people know that you truly care about them, the sky's the limit. 
people people invest in you you know and that's what it is yeah it's it's the challenge of at a certain point fitness for you has to grow beyond steven steven can't have his hands in everything at three four five locations and so how (laughs) do we find the people (laughs) the team the staff the the buy-in that's the real kicker for our entire industry right now for those looking to franchise for those looking to expand for those looking to run one good location that's the real million dollars well the the employee the employee part is the hard part too it's not really hard i've got it down pat you know when it comes to training but i'm sure that there were some hurdles to to begin to to get over five years so far yeah now uh we got a short bit of time left so i just have one kind of final question for you as in your pursuit of this we're looking to grow we're looking to expand potentially franchise down the road what do you think besides the staffing thing what do you think could be some, some roadblocks or some challenges that you'll face in the way of, of just making this bigger of just looking to grow yeah um the, the, it's finding the right people because i i I truly believe, you know, I think some people who own gyms are the wrong people to own gyms because their mindset is completely about the dollar bill. And, and I think the money will come. It will come. The people will come if you're just a good person. Um, there's going to be hurdles trying to franchise it. I know it, you know, um, getting people to believe in, in my brand. Um, but I, I think it will tell itself, you know, in the next couple of years. And when I open Avon Park, I think the culture will change and people will see that I, you have the plan of fitnesses that tailor to one people. And then you, you have the goals, right? Why can't we just have all of that in one, you know, where everybody helps everybody. And that's where I want to be. I want to be that gym that everybody is like, yeah, that's the gym to go to because it's for everybody. It's an because exciting that, conversation, you know. It's, that demographic's bigger. Why would you want to just be that, you know, I want, I want people to come to the gym. I don't want to be a gym owner that's just collecting money and not yeah. come. I want you to come. Why? Because I want you to be successful. That, then you stay. Then you tell your friends. But if you say, oh, I have a gym membership, but I don't go. Well, I don't get enjoyment out of that, honestly. Yeah, I might get more wear and tear on my equipment, but I don't care. I'll buy more equipment. I'd rather yeah. see you. <laughs> I think that's the real differentiator for, for you as a business owner right there. Yeah. You know, I think that's a, a good summary of our conversation in general. It's a good place for us to wrap up here, Stephen. But in the short bit of time we have left, why don't you tell people where they can learn more about these gyms? What's the best website? What's the best social media? How can people find you? Um, you can find us on uh, fitnessforyou24.com. Um, you'd be able to kind of see our, our platform and, and see where we're at. And then you can go to our fitness for you, Avon park and fitness for you, Lake Placid, and you be able to see kind of the, the progressions that we've done. Um, I, I post a lot on Facebook, Instagram, stuff like that. So go check us out. The, the Facebook is definitely my favorite in the Instagram. So that is tremendous. Steven, this has been awesome, man. I really appreciate your willingness to to give a look behind the curtain as far as how this business actually functions and and I'm excited to see what the future holds. We're at a we're at an interesting time for you here. So big picture things to come and beyond that even bigger picture things to come. So I appreciate it. Um like I said, I, I'm 
I can't thank you enough and I wish you nothing but the best going forward. Well, thank you for having me on. Absolutely. To everyone who tuned in, thank you as well. Don't forget, if you would like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.